1: Hello? Yeah, we're doing a phone call. Hello? Yes, is this the cable company? My name's David Sampson. I've been on hold for 49 minutes. 20 more minutes of holding? That'll be 69 minutes. All right, what number am I? Number 18. All right, listen, I'd like to get some sports channels. No problem, we've got a bundle for you. We can get you ESPN, we can get you your regional sports network. We can get you FS1. We can get you the S network. We can get you SNY. We can get you Max Disney. It's a bundle. How much will that bundle be? Oh, it's approximately $192 and 69 cents. I've been holding 69 minutes for this. I wanna go streaming. Click. So I live my life streaming, getting different apps. Figuring out where games are by looking for thumbnails or or dials or tiles or whatever it is. What channel is this on? Where do I find that? Checking the different services and getting annoyed from time to time. Where are the playoff games? Eventually you figure it out. Then yesterday, a bombshell announcement. Everyone is up in arms and I wanted to get to you immediately this morning on the bundle that is the new mega sports bundle announced by three competitors, wait for it, ESPN, whose parent is Disney, Fox Sports, whose parent is Rupert Murdoch, and TNT Sports, whose parent is Warner Brothers Discovery. They came up with a brilliant plan. With all the streaming that's going on, We'd like to announce a major, major power move. This was first, this story was first broken by the Wall Street Journal, picked up by everyone, statements from everyone, which we're gonna get to. But this is a power move because what Disney, Warner, and Fox are doing is they got together like they were at the bar and let it ride. I'm hot, Richard Dreyfus said as Jay Trotter. Yeah, you are. What do you wanna do? Are you gonna bet the next race? I've got an idea, Jay Trotter said. First, you're going to give me all your money. And everyone was cheering, yeah. Then I'm going to give you all my money. Everyone's cheering, yeah. Then we're going to put it all together. Everyone's cheering. Then we're going to bet it. And the room goes silent. I think that's what happened in the boardroom here. A group of people got together, Jimmy Bittar from ESPN, a couple of gents from Fox and Warner brothers and said, listen, here's the idea. Let's get together all of our networks, all of our rights. Let's put it all in one app. We don't know what we're going to call it. We don't know exactly who will own it and how, but we're going to say it'll be one third, one third, one third, but that's not going to live. As people know, when two people own the same amount of a company, and do not have power over the other, inaction can result. And inaction can carry the day. You need to have someone with a majority, someone with decision-making authority. We're gonna hire our own CEO. Yeah, who's the CEO gonna report to? Our own board, who's the board gonna be made up of? It'll be like the competition committee in baseball. Oh, okay i'm putting in way more than you are said espn yeah but i've got all these great properties said fox look at me with my super bowl coming next year espn said but hold on i've got espn plus coming hold my microphone we're gonna combine everything Whoa, did anyone call nbc and peacock yeah they didn't take the call all right did anyone call Amazon, yeah, they didn't take the call. Anyone try Netflix? Yeah, they didn't take the call. So these three companies said, we can form our own Super League and the government will take a look and say, this is really good for consumers who are waiting for 69 minutes to speak to the cable company. Now they can get our app for an as yet unnamed price, which they're rumored to be now 40 to 50 bucks a month. No waiting. No service, no shirt, no shoes. Just press the button, they've got the app. You wanna find sports, it's on the app. Well, wait, do I need to buy ESPN plus two? Oh, we're gonna have stuff on that one too. What about the Warner Brothers Bleacher Report add-on on Max? That's really one that is gonna get a lot of attention from people. I'm gonna get Max because I want the Bleacher Report sports add-on, which John Skipper called correctly, the worst named sports tier ever. Then we're going to give it to everyone for free who has Max, but you got to get Max. It's sort of like getting Peacock to get the Chiefs Dolphins game, but then come the March Madness tournament, we're going to charge people for the Bleacher Report add-on and then they said, Ooh, nah, not working so well. Let's keep it free for a while. Then maybe this fall we'll start charging. And then they said, wait a minute. We're going to start a new app, and we're going to put all of our stuff in with our competitors. We'll charge for that. So what in the heck is Bleacher Report Sports add-on for? And what exactly is ESPN Plus for? Is there going to be stuff just on ESPN Plus? Who's going to decide exactly what goes on the combined app versus what goes on the ESPN Plus app? Oh, we're going to take our original programming, and we'll put it on ESPN Plus, because that'll add value. Because who doesn't want to pay extra for 30 on 30s? 4869. and who doesn't wanna pay extra for 30 for 30s? So I find this all to be slightly troubling given that we don't have a lot of questions and the only people who are gonna demand answers and get them is gonna be the US government. From a league standpoint, Adam Silver opened up his phone yesterday, looked at it. Everything's coming up roses for Adam. He got the big extension, feeling good going into negotiations, he's got Amazon, he's got Warner Brothers, TNT, he's got Disney, ABC, ESPN, things are great. And then he sees, wait a minute, they're all together? What what, what does that mean? Why would, it's just the streaming rights, Adam, don't worry, it's not the over the air rights, it's just the streaming rights. So when we put the NBA finals on ABC, that's Disney who's gonna pay, but then the streaming rights, which are separate, we're gonna put that on this new combined app. Well, I thought you were gonna put it on ESPN Plus. No, no, you are mistaken. We were gonna do ESPN Plus, but now we're gonna do it on combined nameless app. So that means Fox streaming gets the benefit of streaming when they didn't invest anything in streaming and didn't have a streaming network. And now they get to own a third of a streaming network that could have NBA when they don't bid for NBA. Hmm. I really don't know that I wanna do that, Adam Silver is saying to himself. Maybe we'll keep the streaming rights and not include them in any deal we do with any of these networks. And then we'll bundle them together and sell them totally separately to Amazon. How's that, you combined app? Go pound sand. To which Bob Iger looks at Adam Silver and says, hey, call our old friend John Skipper because I'm not doing business with you just for over the air. You got to give me the digital. But I don't want to give you the digital because you're going to put it on the combined app. No problem. I'll put it on ESPN+. Plus. Well, thank you. Are you going to call your new company? No, I'm going to have Jimmy do that. Hey, Jimmy, call the new company and say that NBA playoffs and finals we're not going to actually give to this combined effort, but we'll give him ESPN. Ocho, as you can tell, there's a few unanswered questions here. But the statements... Made it sound as though everything's coming up roses. Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav had a statement that I loved. This new sports service exemplifies our ability as an industry to drive innovation and provide consumers with more choice. Time out. How exactly is it more choice if you put all the sports on one app that all three of you own and then you can charge exorbitant prices per month to get sports that we used to be able to single out by getting different streamers? Hold on, let me think about that. Because so far what you're saying is we're providing consumers with more choice. I wonder whether a lawyer wrote that who's gonna have to answer to antitrust government questions. let's see what else was said. Maybe, Maybe the other statements were better. Let's see, maybe they were. Maybe they were. I don't think they were, but maybe. Let me give you the next one. Ready? Lachlan Murdoch is the CEO of Fox. We believe the service will provide passionate fans outside of the traditional bundle, an array of amazing sports content all in one place. Then Lackland called up his friends at JetBlue and said, isn't that what you said about the Spirit deal? What about the American deal? Isn't that amazing? I think the government will buy that, won't they? They love when industries combine all to the detriment of the consumer where prices don't go down, they go up. All right, maybe Bob Iger. Let's give him a shot. All right, Bob, what do you got for me? The launch of this new streaming service is a significant moment for Disney and ESPN, a major win for sports fans and an important step forward for the media business, like he landed on the frickin' moon. This means the full suite of ESPN channels will be available to consumers alongside the sports programming of other industry leaders as part of a differentiated sports centric service. Sounds like a bundle. wait to see is when i tell you something's gonna happen if it does great if it doesn't fine but i'll give you a little wait to see on this new combined app ready for it because here it is the government's going to take a look at this deal and the ramifications of the deal now i know that's not a fair wait to see because it's so obvious although some of you may not have been thinking that way but i assure you there is no pre-cut deal with the government on this combined app There will be questions, that's my way to see. All right, yesterday during the show, we gave you an example as to what happens when you do a live show with no script and you've got a producer, one producer, one guy in a room with five monitors, doing research, listening to what I'm saying, trying to know whether he ever has to hit the cancel button because he doesn't ever want me to say like fuck or anything. And so sometimes in the middle of a show, breaking news happens. And then he'll yell it in the ear, he'll write it in the document that we share, and then, boom, we have to do an do a thing, do a story. And so, yesterday, he got to me with what Mayor Carolyn Goodman said on Front Office Sports Podcast with Owen Poindexter about the A's staying in Oakland. And we did a whole segment on it. And it got a lot of attention as it should have because it was funny and good, because Coca made it funny and good. And then we told you, uh, the league's not happy. John Fisher's not happy. And no sooner did we stop filming. We catch our breath, take a few hauls drops, blow our nose, do another load of laundry, wait for the text from Coca, and then it came. Mayor Goodman released a clarification. (laughs) Can you imagine how great the phone call was? John, call Carolyn right now. Dan, this is Rob, get John to call Carolyn. Rob, you may have to call her. I'm not calling her. I'm not wasting my time. Everyone's trying to reach out to the mayor. Then they work with her PR staff on a clarification. Then it gets approved. And then it gets released via her social media. And it was a doozy because every attempt at walking back a statement where you think you've made a mistake or you get in trouble for saying something that you actually believe and you feel like, oh no, I've got to walk it back. It's totally fine for players to miss games for kids. So it's called a clarification and the way clarifications are not supposed to start is with the following. I wanted to be clear. Thank you. I was fairly certain that it was cloudy, and I didn't know your point of view, but now I'm clear. I wanted to be clear that I'm excited about the prospect of Major League Baseball in Las Vegas, and it very well may be that the Las Vegas A's will become a reality that we will welcome to our city. They were hoping for a little more at baseball, and with the A's for sure from a leverage standpoint. The people who are fighting against the stadium in Las Vegas, the teachers' unions, etc., cetera. They sort of love that clarification. You could tell who was who on Twitter yesterday. The pros came out, the pro stadiums came out and said, I don't know what this crazy octogenarian's talking about. She's not even mayor of the place where the stadium's going to be. Oh, and that means she can't say anything. It would be like the mayor of the city of Miami commenting on, a sta- on the Dolphin Stadium in Miami Gardens.
0: Hmm,
1: happens. And then she continued giving some love to the front office sports. On February 5th, 2024, I was interviewed for the front office sports podcast. One of many interviews about the rise of major league sports in Vegas. I get it. The mayor of Vegas is having a moment. It's Super Bowl week. She's got a PR plan. You think the front office sports podcast was the only show she did? She's doing news shows. She's doing hits, segments, radio, TV, TV. This is her moment to shine. Although in Vegas is the wife of Oscar Goodman, the mayor we met with when we were pretending to move a team to Vegas, you know, 15 years ago, maybe more. God, it's 20, almost, almost 20 years ago. Not quite, just under 20 years ago, went to Vegas. Oscar Goodman, showgirls, no professional team was in Vegas at the time. Bud Selig said, there is no chance, toilet pants, that you're moving to Vegas. Yeah, just let us go. Fine. Go to Vegas. Enjoy. Hell yeah. Oscar, what do you think of a team? We like it. We'll give you anything you want. As long as it's something we want to give you. Didn't know his wife at the time. Oscar stopped being mayor and then his wife took over as mayor because that's what happens in Vegas. So she's making the rounds and then she got a little ahead of herself on the podcast with Owen and said, you know, I think that uh, they'd be better off in Oakland and I'm not sure about that site. There's not one person around who's sure about the site. So what is it that you're making clear? Are you taking back what you said that you think that Oakland should stay in Oakland? She didn't take that back. Are you taking back the fact that the stadium shouldn't be at the Tropicana site? You didn't take that back. So, what exactly did you want to say? She said, my points included that it's my belief that there is a perfect world where the ownership of the A's would like to have a new ballpark on the water in Oakland, and that the ownership and government there should listen to their great fans and try to make that dream come true. But if that fails, Las Vegas has shown it's a spectacular market for major league sports franchises. I think what she's really trying to say and what Oscar would like her to say And what Adam Silver is thrilled to hear is that we really don't want the NBA to be last in because we know NBA is coming to Vegas. I think we'd be better off with no Major League Baseball in Vegas and just add basketball to the T-Mobile Arena, not build another stadium, and not take the risk of all the negatives that come with the stadium where it would be on the Tropicana A too small, B too much traffic, C generally underfunded uncertainty vis-a-vis local broadcast revenue uncertainty vis-a-vis projections for attendance it's always easy to say things are going to get better and the grass is greener on the other side until you get there and you look down and say oh crikeys it's brown so the reason why i was so amused by this clarification is that it was not a clarification despite her protestation it does not make things better in Vegas right now. All the people who are working so hard. I was invited, Coca, I didn't even tell you this. You were out of pocket last night, so I couldn't reach you. I think it's outrageous that you have a social life of any kind. I demand that you take my calls at all times of the day and night. I'm the worst guy to work for in that regard. What do you mean, you're not, what are you, not awake at 3.30? I like on WhatsApp, when you can see time last looked. So you get to see whether someone is online now or when they last looked, because then you feel less guilty about texting or calling at four in the morning. Hey, you were up. You looked at your phone at 347. It's only 13 minutes past that. Don't tell Coca this. Please keep it a secret. But he has read receipts on, on his phone. So when I text him, I know when he reads it, And the time he reads it, and then when he doesn't reply, I'm like, why didn't you reply? When you only have delivered, you never know if someone read it. So the mystery, are you being ghosted? I don't know why I was talking about Coca ghosting me. What were we just talking about? Something happened yesterday. Something I wanted to tell you, some story. I totally got distracted. How great is that? Come on, what was it? Coco, do you have any idea why I wanted to tell you I was trying to reach you yesterday and couldn't? And what were you gonna talk about? Something with Vegas? Oh yeah, I got invited to the Oakland A's Fan Fest by some of the organizers. I was very touched for the invitation. Unfortunately, I have a charity event that night, so I will not be able to attend, but there's a Fan Fest on the 24th of February. Unclear whether it's being run by, whether the Oakland A's have anything to do with it, I think not. They're looking to make it another blight on the head of John Fisher, though maybe at this fan fest, Cavill, the president will come and announce that they've reopened talks for a new ballpark. I've said from the start that we need someone to blink. We need someone to swallow their pride, whether it's the mayor of Oakland herself or whether it's John or whether it's MLB, someone's gotta break the logjam. especially with all the crap going on in Vegas. It's funny to move to Vegas. They now need the leverage of Oakland. How ironic is that? Well, there'll be more about Oakland A's, I promise you that, because as we do our previews for the season that's starting soon, I'm sure you there'll be plenty of talk about the A's and what their chances of reaching the postseason. When we come back, we're gonna review a season of Reacher, season two of Reacher that I watched, and then we've got two baseball signings that are worth mentioning that happened yesterday, neither of which surprised me, both of which have Hall of Fame implications.
0: Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to Bluenile.com.
1: That's Bluenile.com. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson, a crooked David Sampson. No, I don't mean from a business standpoint. My camera was crooked. We were late on the air today, which I hate being late. I think we were like 10 seconds late today to our live show on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel because I, I have nobody here. There are no tech people where I am. It is coke in my ear and crickets everywhere else, except for this great studio audience who's here today. Thank you so much for, hey, wake up. We still have 23 minutes. Crickets. You can go a little crazy doing a show by yourself, talking into the void of all of you lovely people who I appreciate every one of you. So I watched this show called Reacher. I'd watched season one and I loved it. Couldn't wait for season two. Watch season two, blew right through it. Alan Richson stars as a steroided guy who is the head of a unit, an army unit. And all of a sudden people in his army unit start dying. And it's the Terminator guy who's doing it. The Terminator guy is, uh, oh, for crying out loud meatloaf, somebody, Patrick is his name. He was in Terminator 2 Judgment Day. He was the guy trying to kill Schwarzenegger. This can't be happening to me. I just pulled out a memory that we were talking about the A's Fan Fest without any assistance from you. And now I can't remember the name of the actor, Robert Patrick. Thank you, Coca. Whew. I kept thinking Dan Patrick. I must be channeling my Vegas vibes, like closing my eyes and doing an I Dream of Jeannie. Wink, wink, wink. Hey, I'm in Vegas. So let me save you time. Reach your season two, not good. Acting, terrible. Script, terrible. It is some sort of addictive candy where you eat it. You know what exactly it's like? It's those pixie sticks I used to eat as a child that I still eat sometimes as an adult when I go to the kids' candy table at bar mitzvahs or sometimes when I'm in a 7-Eleven, it's there as an impulse buy and I say, you know what? I haven't had had this in a while. A pixie stick is a syrup, is a um, straw full of sugar. For those of you who don't know, it's colored sugar, flavored sugar, and you open it and you pour it in your mouth. It's like eating straight sugar. And the problem is, it's like fun dip. And once you're done with the fun dip, you eat the damn stick because you just can't stop. That's what Reacher is. Reacher season two is fun dip. So it's your choice. If you start the fun dip, you're going to finish the stick. But if you pass it, you won't be the worse for wear. All right. Reacher's back. That's a funny poster, Coca. That's a picture of Reacher's back, which is such a big back. It takes up the whole screen. That's a double entendre. Jose Altuve signed with the Astros yesterday, and I was flabbergasted. It was the biggest surprise of the offseason that Jose Altuve signed a five-year extension a year before free agency, that Jose Altuve is going to retire an Astro, that Jose Altuve got an extra $125 bucks, therefore bringing his career earnings to $300 million, that Jim Crane said we wanted Altuve to be our Hall of Famer, Wire to wire, Bagwell Biggio. Oh my God, I fell down. Thank God I had knee pads and a cup on. Did anyone really think that someone valued Altuve the way the Astros do? I, for one, think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer and it is because he's 5'5". I, for one, think that the Astros are a dynasty and that he is the central part of that dynasty. I, for one, do not believe he wore a buzzer under his shirt. I, for one, believe that he didn't care about the garbage cans and didn't need the help because when you see the ball hit the ball, it's actually better not to know what's coming. It doesn't make it change my view of the garbage can situation, which is what I've told you. We all were trying something. We just weren't brazen enough to hit garbage cans, but in hindsight, we probably should have been. But what would make Altuve do it now? And I got to think of that twice yesterday because I was thinking about that with Clayton Kershaw as well. He re-signed with the Dodgers now. And he's not available to pitch until later in the season because he's hurt. The last time you saw Kershaw is when he got rocked by the Diamondbacks in the middle of the Diamondbacks getting sweeping the Dodgers. And then Kershaw announced he had a shoulder issue, had surgery all season long. All offseason, we've been hearing either the hometown Rangers or the Dodgers. Kershaw has been a lifelong Dodger. We've been hearing all offseason that Bregman and Altuve are free agents to be one more year. Who's going to sign what, when, and where? How's it going to be allocated? You can't sign everybody. We knew at CBS Sports, and we knew at Nothing Personal, that the likelihood of Kershaw not going to the Dodgers or Altuve testing the free agent market were tiny like a flick of dust on the back of a cow that you'd see driving 80 miles an hour past a field in iowa just not happening so altuve is approached by the astros and the conversation that we have with players who we know are going to sign is very different than the conversation we have with players who we think don't want to sign or very different than with players who are trying to recruit. The conversation with Altuve is incredibly quick, because the Astros have either decided because they're aware of it, they know he's going to be a free agent, they've already decided whether they're going to re-sign him. It's not like, hey, let's see if he's healthy this year, let's see if he's productive this year, that's not the conversation when you've got a player like Altuve on your team. The conversation is, are we going to let him age gracefully with us, or are we going to cut bait and move on and rebuild without him and let him finish his career somewhere else, he'll still be an Astro for life and wear an Astros cap in Cooperstown. So the team already knows. So the team approaches the agent only when they want to make a deal. We don't approach a free agent a year before they're gonna be free agent with no intent of signing. Hey, we just wanted to touch base. No, you just stay quiet. That's when players say, yeah, I haven't even been spoken to. Did you have a clue that Marcus Stroman wasn't gonna be on the Cubs when the Cubs hadn't said a word to him and Marcus Stroman said, you know, I haven't really heard a word from them. I wonder why he didn't hear a word from the Cubs, huh? Because they didn't want to resign him. So that's the same thing with your own free agent, even if it's a long time guy like Altuve. You say nothing. So once an agent hears a team approach the agent, you know it's done. And then the agent has a choice. Are you reasonable or are you not? The agent is told by the player, unless the agent, Scott Boris, is told by the player whether to be reasonable or not. There are certain times that players want to play for a team. They tell the agent, be unreasonable, but don't you blow it. And as the president of a team, we know those players in advance and will hold out and wait for the agent to get more reasonable. The reason why it's okay to be unreasonable at first is that I know that Altuve's agent is Boris. I'm gonna explain the situation in a minute, Coca. I'm getting there. All right, I'll get there faster. The reason when you have an agent who says, that he's gonna be unreasonable. The player says, just don't blow it, be reasonable. As soon as you think the team's gonna walk away, then the agent says, this team's never gonna walk away. And the player says, how do you know? And the agent is gonna say, I spoke to the owner. And the player's gonna say, there's only one agent who speaks to owners. And the agent's gonna say, yeah, it's me, Scott Boris. Joe Wolf has access, Levinson brothers and their dad access to a couple, but none like Boris. Dan Lozano has some access. Boris has access to owners, because he demands it. Calls up Jim Crane. Jim Crane calls Boris, doesn't matter who said it. Boris knows that Altuve doesn't want to leave Houston. Boris knows that Crane doesn't want to let Altuve go. When Boris sees both of those things in existence, his work is not welcomed, because his work is to take advantage of owners, his work is to get players the most money he can get, and, If he has to screw a player in the interim, he screws a player in the interim. It's sort of like when he did the Strasbourg deal with the Nationals. He knew that Ted Lerner needed to sign Steven Strasburg. He knew that Strasburg was going to be hurt and wanted to get him signed as quickly as possible, gets him signed. So while Tuve cuts this 125 million five year deal, and you think to yourself, wow, does that make sense for the Astros? And then you look at how it's going to be paid. The way it's going to be paid, it's heavy, heavy upfront money. The reason why it's heavy upfront money is that as Altuve ages toward his age 39 season, we did the same thing with Stanton, this sort of bell curve contract where you make less money toward the end. In the middle, when you're supposed to be in your prime or as good as you're going to be, you make as much money as you can, and you give the player as much money as you can. So Altuve's down to like 10 million bucks his last couple of years of this five-year extension. So whether he's effective or not. They can buy him out. They can release him. He can segue into the front office. They can bench him, not play him. They can do a Joey Votto, which can be uncomfortable if you're the Reds. But it'll be a little better because Altuve will not try to play for anyone else the way Votto has so far unsuccessfully. So this was an extension that made perfect sense. Totally reasonable on every side. The Kershaw one is more interesting to me because when he pitches he's effective when he doesn't pitch he's not how's that for brilliant analysis he's hurt there's no way of knowing whether to be ready for the end of this season the dodgers have no otani this year of course they have yamamoto and glas now maybe walker bueller second part of the season recovering from tommy john shohei otani next year recovering from his second tommy john bueller from his second tommy john dustin may recovering from tommy john so the question is, why sign Clayton Kershaw and then why give him a two-year deal? We haven't seen the terms yet, but what we did see, the rumor, is that it's one year plus a player option for a second year. I know Andrew Freeman knows this because we've talked about it. Player options basically are guaranteed contracts for players. The reason why player options are only good for players is that if a player can make more money elsewhere, he'll decline the option, renegotiate with his existing team, or go to a different team with a totally tampered already done contract that's worth more than the amount of the player option. If the player's hurt or ineffective, the player exercises the player option and you end up paying for a player who's ineffective. So my concern with Clayton Kershaw is that the Dodgers are having a very hard time saying goodbye. And what they would tell you is he's so effective when he pitches. Why we say goodbye to him if he's willing to play for us? We gave him $20 million for a year last year and he was terrific for us. I mean, they're paying Lance Lynn 11 for crying out loud meatloaf. Why wouldn't we give money to Kershaw? Well, he's going to miss half the year. So are you going to give him 10 million this year? Is his contract for 17? Is it the qualifying offer of 19 and a half? Do you really sign a player for that much money when you know he only can make half the starts at best? It's a complete overpay if you pay him for a full year of action when you know he's only acting for 50% of the time. And you think the fans really are so interested with Yamamoto and Otani and Freeman and Betts? Hey, we couldn't come to agreement with Kershaw, he's going to Texas. Thanks for the memories in the COVID-shortened World Series. See you later. It's not like he's the, you know, he's famous. He's been there. It's pretty cool. He and Koufax are in the same, mentioned in the same breath a lot. But at what point, even if you're the Dodgers, do you say, come on, not doing this anymore? Nothing. Personal pick of the day. You know what really bothers me, Matt, is we do our pick of the days in the morning and then Giannis and Lillard don't play in the afternoon. How does that happen? We had the Bucks plus three and a half versus the Suns. The Bucs ended up plus eight or whatever they did, and they lost. Giannis did play. He did not play. Hold on. Stop the show right now. I checked it. I was watching the score because I don't get the game. I don't know why I don't get the game. I didn't get the combined app is what I think happened. And I looked at the box score, and his name... He played 39 minutes and scored 34 points. I got a small issue right now. Did Brooks Lopez play and Chris Middleton? Only Robin Lopez and Chris Middleton. All right, let's start that segment over. I had a weird thing happen last night, I guess. That is weird, Coke. I texted you when you didn't respond that Giannis wasn't playing. All right, we'll take it from after Kershaw. Four, eight, six, nine. Nothing personal pick of the day. There's nothing that bothers me more when in the morning we take the bucks plus three and a half and then Lillard doesn't play. (laughs) Bucks ended up getting six and a half or seven. Not for us, we lost, we're 17 and 21. Can't wait to get to a sponsored segment with baseball and can't wait to give Super Bowl picks. We got another parlay bet for you. We did McCaffrey yesterday, two of them, remember? The anytime touchdown for two units and the first touchdown by the Niners for one unit? Well, our prop today involves Taylor Kelsey. We are doing an anytime touchdown with Travis Swift. Anytime it's minus 110 to win 100, or for us, minus $11 to win $10, or for us, minus $10 to win $9.19. That's the Super Bowl prop for today, Wednesday, a Travis Kelsey anytime TD. But we're gonna do another NBA game because why wouldn't we? We will never give up. We've got the Sixers getting two and a half at home versus the Warriors. The Warriors are an interesting story. There was a whole article yesterday, Steve Kerr had to do a conversation about Klay Thompson. Klay Thompson was upset he was not in the rotation for the last bit of the game in the last Warriors loss and steve kerr had to give a talk about how to deal with an aging superstar and how hard it is when your body is writing checks that your hands can no longer cover but you still think you're good very frustrating to talk to aging superstars that's the one thing that frustrates them the most is that they still see the passing lane they still envision the three going in they still see the spin on the ball They still recognize the pitch. They know where the bat has to be in the zone. And then they start to swing and say, wow, I just missed that ball by 10 feet. The catcher was halfway to the dugout. By the time I finished my swing. Wow. By the time I made that great crisp bounce pass to the cutting player back door, the other team was already with the ball, having stolen it and laying it in. Hmm. My mind is sharp. My body's a little slow. Hard to deal with. That's what Clay Thompson and the Warriors are dealing with. The end of a dynasty, it's hard. I think you got to love the Warriors for what they were, appreciate them for what they were, and recognize them for not being that anymore. This isn't like the break they took when Curry was injured and Thompson was injured and they didn't make the playoffs but then won another title. This is not that type of situation for the Warriors sort of surprised that Steve Kerr is still around unless he's going full Popovich just hang out hang out hang out and then Wemby shows up but I'm gonna have to say that the Warriors are done I'm sorry but don't worry Oakland you may still get a baseball team we're gonna take the Sixers plus two and a half at home versus the Warriors so the Super Bowl is in Vegas I think one of the Raiders players got arrested for drunk driving in a valet yesterday morning. A lot of people are on the air right now talking about how great this is, and it's amazing. We're here, we're playing craps, we're playing blackjack, we're playing back rat. Well, no one's saying that. We're playing slot machines, everybody's saying that. It's a it's a totally big party on Radio Row. Lebatard's going to be doing a live show from there tomorrow and Friday at Circa. Circa Swim, make sure you're, if you're in Vegas, go to it. Agents are out there doing business. Radio shows are everywhere. CBS has sets left, right, and center. It's just a big party. And there's nothing worse than when somebody craps on your shoes. I don't think that's the expression. Isn't it crap on your parade? Rain's on your parade. I think that's what it is. Bunch of people are saying, hey, Vegas problem. Even Joe Buck did. Which I thought was interesting. He came out on a show and said, uh, I predict that the Super Bowl in Vegas is going to be a mess. I don't have any desire to be there. There's going to be some story. There's going to be something that happens because it's Vegas and it won't stay in Vegas. Funny. There's going to be a big something that happens. I don't know what it is. I have no idea. This is going to be a mess in my mind. Luckily, ABC doesn't have the Super Bowl this year, it's CBS. Luckily, they don't have it next year, although it's not in Vegas next year, Fox does. Can you imagine if he and Buck were calling, the if Buck and Aikman were calling the game and this is what Buck said? I wonder whether Tony Romo said anything on behalf of CBS about Vegas or about gambling. He did? No way. We've had so many prep meetings about what you can say, what you cannot say. Here's the line. You've got to walk. We're doing a lot of business with gambling companies. Hell, we're inside the gates of Vegas. It may not be Vegas proper, according to Carolyn Goodman and those who love her and support her or not, but it's still Vegas, baby. So don't say X, Y, and Z, and please make sure you say we are family entertainment because that works so well. I just don't think it's a good look for anyone who represents the NFL to talk about how Vegas is a problem. Because we know that. You're not adding value. You think when companies are sending all their employees to the Super Bowl in Indianapolis, or the Super Bowl in Minnesota, or New York, or even Miami, they have the same level of concern or rules as when they are sending their employees to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas? Tom Pilicero of NFL Network said that the 49ers and Chiefs players are barred from any form of gambling leading up to Super Bowl 58 in Vegas but that the restrictions end after the game if you're a player not on a Super Bowl team you can go to Vegas and play table games and participate in DraftKings betting on your personal time but you can't bet on NFL games or the Super Bowl Hey, I didn't do it for me. I did it for my friend. Wasn't me placing the bets. What are you talking about? So my thing about yucking on somebody's yum is that you don't do it when it's gonna impact your bottom line. But the funny thing about Joe Buck or Boomer Sison or anybody else saying something about Vegas right now or Tony Romo saying something about gambling, it is the darndest thing. The business impact is zero. There's nothing like it. There's no other city where that happens, where people are downright dismissive of whatever scattering report they get. Hey, you're going to have a lot of trouble. There's a lot of, a lot of booze, a lot of women, a lot of gambling. Don't go. There's a lot of temptation. Nah, well, I'll be fine. Hey, there's a lot of crime in midtown Manhattan. Don't take the subway. Hey, can I get money for an Uber, please? It's crazy what we think about and when we make certain decisions of what we're gonna listen to and what we won't. Everybody's sitting there in Vegas saying, yeah, I heard what everyone said, but I'm McLovin' it. This is great. Dan Levitard himself rewarded his entire company to go to Vegas. Maybe they thought the Dolphins would be in it, but a reward Putting them into the den and it's my favorite den. Don't get me wrong. I have a comfy couch there and a baseball glove chair. I just think that I don't want my employees. I don't want my commentators. I don't want anyone actually saying anything. I just want it to happen because when we read about things that happen or the mess that happens or the stories that come out, we will be dismissive of it. We will say, ah, it's Vegas, baby of course you expect to run into mike tyson and his tiger and maybe even have a baby i think all these networks are just looking at this super bowl they're looking at the rates they're looking at all the money they're looking at the amount of money that's going to be gambled on this super bowl and they're just looking right in the camera and saying it's just business we'll be back tomorrow this is nothing personal